On today's episode of the Nifty Nick Show, I am super excited to have on somebody at the forefront of NFTs in the virtual world. Jeff Holmberg is the chief strategy officer at Terra Virtua, where they've developed an entire ecosystem around collecting digital goods and NFTs. The show's all about learning from those with skin in the game in the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception. So let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up, one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments, we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to people's every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry, your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. Yeah. All right, welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Nick. I, I love the intro, man. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I think uh, maybe it would be good to kick things off with, yeah, what do you, what do, you do at uh, Terra Virtua and what, what is Terra Virtua? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Chief Strategy Officer at Terra Virtua. I know some people pronounce it differently. Whoops. We are an immersive collectibles company that, that focuses on uh, NFTs, of course, in 3D, VR, and AR. We are on the Ethereum chain, so our collectibles are ERC721 for all techie friends out there. And, uh, you know, we've started with some major licenses already, uh, which include Paramount Pictures, Legendary Films, Netflix's Lost in Space, Pacific Rim, amongst uh, a few other movie titles as well. And uh, we just have a <laughs> monster lineup of new releases coming out, you know, over the, the spring and the summer, uh, our latest release, uh, actually two latest releases were Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, which is just fantastic. Can't wait to talk about that. And then uh, something that's been kind of been passed around the industry lately has been our collaboration that we've done involving royalties for NFT owners with the hash masks. So that's, that's actually one of my favorite collaborations in the space right now. Yeah, I'd love to discuss both of those things. Um, maybe we can start off I'm curious, what brought you to uh, this company? I, I was seeing that you were at OpenSea before. I was, yeah. So my so my background is actually in traditional finance, where I was a robot at Goldman Sachs and Merrill Lynch on Wall Street. And then uh, I'll skip the, the whole resume thing here, but eventually I made my way into the blockchain space where I was running partnerships at OpenSea for a while. And then I had moved over to Terra Virtua full time to run strategy for those guys. And uh, I love it. I'm, I'm just so happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome place. So like when you're doing the partnerships, are, are you responsible for the partnerships with some of these brands and some of these large IP holders? Because I think that's something that's unique about the company is the partnerships that you guys have done with Paramount and other places. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good question. So, uh, you know, my partner, Ash, who is head of business at Terra Virtua, we sort of tag team on this. Uh, you know, a lot of things mix in with strategy in regards to, you know, what makes sense for us to launch, how we would launch something. So it's, it's more of a, a combined effort between Ash and I with talking to some brands. Our CEO, Gary Bracey, has just been in the gaming space for, for, you know, over 20 years. So he comes in with just just a monster black book of names to contact, relationships, that he gets a lot of uh, larger introductions to as well. So we're really tackling it from, from all angles, you know, any type of relationships that we have, any type of introductions that we can get. But yeah, I'm pretty much involved with, with majority of the new partners that do come in. 
when it goes down to the licensing portion of things, that's something that Gary, our CEO, would handle directly as that's what he has direct experience in. Awesome. So I'm sort of curious, like, I feel like Terra uh, Virtua existed before NFTs, and they were probably just uh, called digital goods at that point. Is that correct? Yeah. So you know, it's funny, and that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, Terra Virtua was in, we were building that. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there at the time that they were working on it. But, you know, Jawad, the other co-founder and CTO, and Gary linked up actually a few years ago and started discussing this, started building it. Nothing was actually launched at that time, but, you know, they were watching the market, looking to, for an angle of so what's next, really. You know, that's, that's kind of like what we like to say is our, uh, you know, tagline, the, the end point of where collectors actually want to put their NFTs and view them. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a few years in the making prior, I guess it's almost three years in the making, I guess, because, you know, we're almost about you know, live for about a year now. So it, it yeah, it, it has been a while. That's a great question. And in terms of something, so I've explored a lot of the functionality of your product and checked out videos and demos and other things like that. And it seems like the way that it functions for the most part is that I can buy these collectibles and then put them into the virtual experience, virtual reality experience offered by your platform. And then the other place that I can bring it is also in AR, I can take some of my collectibles, place them in the real world and like on Snap. Well, I don't know if it works on Snapchat, but with your camera, take pictures and other things to sort of place them into the real world. But the question that I have is if I get something or one of these digital goods, is it limited within the ecosystem or does it also functioning outside of it? Great question. So, so let me take you through. So there are three sides to the platform. Our more flagship and most popular one is our fan cave. And for obviously, you know, people can't see it right now, but I would encourage them to go to the website and actually download the client. It, it, it right now you have to download it. It is built in Unreal Engine for high quality, so that's why you need to download this client. We're actually moving to a uh, or exploring web-based options for that. Don't want to give away too much information here, but I think that's going to be right around the corner. Wink, wink. But the fan cave is is a real collector's room type feel. Just want to give a background on this first. And then our Terra Dome is a hangar type feel for much larger collectibles. Obviously, we needed to rebuild that for Godzilla Kong. You know, tanks, ships, larger figurines, big things that necessarily wouldn't fit into a collector's room if you wanted them life-size, for instance. And then the uh, third side of the platform is actually our art gallery, uh, also built using Unreal Engine. And we just thought, you know, for digital art, you know, we're looking for options of where people want to view this and look at it. And of course, you know, other art platforms, you know, including ours, when you're looking at their marketplaces, you're looking at images and perhaps you might be able to zoom in or blow up that image. But we wanted to give kind of a landing zone for, for this digital art and especially more like a storefront option, even for digital artists that come onto the platform to be able to showcase it appropriately. You know, art belongs on a wall with proper lighting and it, it should give you an important feeling, you know, when you're walking through this art gallery, and that's why we why we built it as so. Uh, a couple things. So, as I mentioned before, they are ERC seven two one items. We did start as a wall garden smart contract with these items. That is changing. Uh, it's going to have full interoperability uh, soon. I mean, we're talking in I want to say like a week or two. We're opening up the ecosystem. And pretty much going to see how that's going to look like to bring other entities and other collectibles in because we're really about the quality. 
So it's going to take some testing to see what that's going to look like for people to bring older items or, of course, even other art or et cetera into the platform to put in the gallery, fans, cave, pterodome, et cetera. So super, super excited about that. So, yeah, so it's it's wall garden right now. But, you know, in the next week or two, we're, we're already testing that uh, we will have full interoperability. And last side of your question, uh, when you're ac- asking about augmented reality or AR is actually my favorite thing is we do have a mobile app uh, that is live that you can download right now on Android phones. We just got approved for iOS for, you know, of course, iPhones, and we, we needed that. That's currently in test flight, and that's going to be coming very soon as well. We're just working out some bugs, you know, normal tech testing on that to make sure everything is nice and fluid when we go to the front-facing market with that. So that's going to be coming soon. But yes, you can... Uh, log into your account through your mobile app. You will see your items there and you can use them in augmented reality. You know, we've seen a lot of fun stuff happen, you know, especially with Godzilla Kong. We had a, a, a user had Godzilla overlooking Hong Kong and, and you're able to, like, as you mentioned, you're able to record video or take pictures within the app. It's not like you have to screenshot it or, you know, record on your phone. You can do that within the app. And had the uh, Godzilla overlook in Hong Kong. We had a user put Godzilla into a wrestling ring. And he was doing this ninja kick on him. And he had changed the size of Godzilla. So he looked human sized. So there's a lot of creativity options that you can use. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite words for NFTs is utility. It's a lot of fun to be able to buy something, you know, able to view it in our collector's room or art gallery, etc. And also use it in augmented reality. I've seen some people take pictures and unbox their digital art in augmented reality, put it on their wall, over their desk, etc., take a picture, and you can't tell the difference. And to me, that's just really exciting because I think that's an extra use case for digital art where, yes, of course, we want to enjoy the the digital side of things and, and have it in the metaverse. But it's also cool to say, you know, hmm, I'm curious, you know, I wonder what this pack piece, for instance, would would look above my desk or, you know, I wonder what this uh, castle Ichu piece will look above my desk and you're able to take videos and pictures and, and send it to your mom, your friends and say, hey, look, you know, this is an NFT. This is actually a digital collectible, but check it out. You know, it's hanging in my living room, above my desk, in the kitchen. So there's a lot of use cases and we're actually looking to extend these use cases and think, you know, what else and what type of other extensions and utility can we add to these NFTs on the platform for our users? And it just really revolves around fun and showcasing and utility. So uh, we're constantly brainstorming on that. You know, I am pretty responsible for that in my role to to come up with creative strategies for that. And, you know, a lot of things that we are brainstorming internally, I, I can't think here, but we are constantly looking to expand the utility and think about, you know, what users want. And, and I listen to the community. I listen to what people would like to see and see if it's feasible to build. If it's possible, it makes sense, we'll build it. Awesome. So what would you say is like the dream use case of this? Like, are you envisioning that people have a headset that's like on a um, display unit or something like that uh, when people walk in and they can check out those collectibles outside of the individual who owns it themselves? Absolutely. You're asking great questions. So we are we are working on a social integration inside the platform, in which case users would be able to have their own profile. And at the bottom of this profile, if you choose to have it public, 
you know, you can have the fan cave, the Terra Dome and art gallery on the bottom of your profile, which would allow, you know, essentially visitors uh, to go through your collectibles, walk through your fan cave, dome, gallery, etc., see what you have and experience somebody else's collection for themselves. And I think, you know, when you talk to, you know, a lot of collectors out there, I think most will agree it's important to have that kind of positive ego, that positive flex of, of pride, of wanting to show off your collectibles, being prideful of, of, you know, all the work that you've done in curating your creations. I mean, uh, uh, curating your collections and uh, wanting to show that off and wanting other people to enjoy the work that you've put in building these collections. So that's absolutely coming. And like I mentioned before, it's important to say, again, you know, users will have the authority to either leave that public or if they want it private just for themselves and they don't want visitors, you know, seeing what they have or walking through. Obviously, these are NFTs. So, you know, walking through someone's fan cave, you're not going to be able to steal them or, you know, touch them or ruin them. Right. So, yeah, you know, that's that's an experience that we definitely want to do and think people will, will enjoy. You know, we've seen some you know, the, the rise of crypto voxel some in space to central and like it's, it's people, it's exciting to walk around and explore. It's exciting to see what others have built or curated. And uh, so we want to make sure we have our own, you know, custom experience built for other users to see what other users are using. So yeah, it's, cool. it's going to be really fun. And um, I do want to add uh, in regards to virtual reality, one thing we are working on is, you know, of course, this would require a headset. Uh, for those listening, you can use all these fan, fan cave, Terra Dome, and Art Alley without a headset, of course. But if you know, have an Oculus per se, go into the fan cave, we are working and testing on actually picking up the items with your hands in virtual reality and moving them with your hands is actually you're holding them in your hand, of course. But, you know, the way we design our collectibles, they are 3D. So you can turn them upside down, spin them 360. So which allows a person to have really a really good experience being able to do that in virtual reality, picking up as if it's a real item. So it's super cool. And I'm definitely super pumped, you know, in time to release that as, you know, we start seeing VR getting some traction, you know, and, and more and more people experimenting with like the Oculus Quest. And we think it, that would just be an extra bonus feature for, for people to come in and, and just almost have a real life experience inside the digital space. So the use case you used there was uh, like a remote interaction where someone else would come and check out my collection. I was thinking like yep. actually in my apartment, like if I had a guest over because I don't yeah. have the art on the wall, like would you envision there's just being like a, a headset sitting on a stand somewhere and like guests who are at a cocktail party or whatever can like put on that headset and actually see the collection? Because uh, I mean... Obviously, the metaverse is one whole big trend here, and you were talking about Decentraland and um, CryptoVoxels and any of the other places. Yep. But I also think like we're still going to continue to interact with each other. Like that's not going away. And I think from that standpoint, something like what you're presenting is a, well is literally that a way to present um, your collection yep. in another format outside mm -hmm. of just yeah hanging art on the wall. So I yeah that was the. The use case I was thinking of uh, specifically. Yeah, you know, uh, and you probably would, would want, I need you to clarify on that. Like, you know, you said if like I was, if I was in your apartment, like put on the headset as, as, you know, walking around in your fan cave as if your apartment were the fan cave. Uh, we're, we're, we're not there yet, but that's, that's, that's a great idea, you know, in, in being able to 
essentially transport these collector's rooms outside oh. into the real life. No, no, no. I'm just saying from the standpoint that you're presenting the art, like if someone comes over and oh, I have these yeah, virtual yeah. collections, it doesn't yeah. serve a use case if they can't actually view it, right? Like I've paid this money, I've bought these things and right. hey, great chatting with you all, but you can't see any of the <laughs> stuff that I own. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I, I get it now. Yes, no, absolutely. You know, and that's, you know, like I mentioned, you know, a couple minutes earlier, that's why, you know, we wanted to be the endpoint, you know, the what next for NFTs. You know, we've seen wonderful licenses, wonderful art, you know, wonderful brands come into space and, and they're all just segregated across different platforms. And we thought, you know, you see all this, this front facing material, these actual NFTs and, and, you know, especially art, just, just wonderful, amazing art in the rise of digital artists. But it's, it's kind of, you know, once that dies down, you think to yourself, well, like, what do I do next with these though? You know, like if I just picked up 30 digital art pieces, right? Say I went on a crazy shopping spree, you know, what do you do with them? How do you showcase them? And we wanted to solve that problem while making it fun for people and interactive. And that's why we spend a lot of time really matching the quality for it. Because we didn't want to just rush to market with something very simple, you know, for those that go visit the platform and, you know, experience the fan cave, uh, the gallery, the terror dome, you'll see it, it, it really feels high quality. It's really pristine. I do, I actually encourage people zoom in on our items, zoom in on our NFTs, you know, and um, it's something that the what next is, is something we just want to build upon, right? You know, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to make NFTs. Of course, it's not. But I think there hasn't been a lot of attention being put on on what to actually do with them. Well, yeah, it sounds like you're spending time paying attention to the details of the presentation of it. So I'm curious about this other partnership that you'd mentioned, which was with uh, Hash Masks. Do you want to yep. share a little bit about like what that was? Yeah, absolutely. So for, for those that don't know what Hash Masks are, they were a digital art compilation of over 14,000 pieces of digital art. They were had, they do have hidden secrets in them, and that could be glyphs, symbols, you know, different style of masks over the character that's in this artwork. Uh, the cool thing about the hash mask is, and similar to Avastars, I got to give a shout out to Avastars, I just found this the other day as well from Jimmy is they actually give you full commercial rights to the artwork. So if you, for, for example here, if you own a hash mask, you have the complete rights to take the artwork, slap it on a t-shirt or some other item and sell that item and keep all the profits. You don't owe any type of royalties back to hash mask. Once you purchase this NFT, the real one of the hash masks, you are the sole owner of that artwork. And I thought this was a brilliant idea. And, and we have on our platform at Terra Virtual what we call VFlex, you know, smaller digital robots. It seems to be an easy way to explain them. But we do have some customization and some collaborations that we've done with other brands. And I was thinking one day, you know, as a huge fan of the Hash Mask and the Hash Mask community, I was like, how cool would it be since owners have the commercial rights to the Hash Mask if we can come up with a collaboration where we can build these B-Flex, as we call them, these digital robots, in the style of the artwork for the hash mask owner matching that particular hash mask artwork. And so we have released a very large trader in the space. His name is Danny. He's at Seed Phrase on Twitter. Uh, he had one of the most expensive masks 
and I reached out to him and I was talking to him and saying, listen, you know, I'd love to experiment with this. I'd love to give it a go. You know, I, I'm, I'm friends with Danny. He's like, absolutely. This sounds brilliant. And, uh, we had put it through our art side of the platform. Uh, you know, we do have an art and creative team, uh, out in Dubai and Pakistan who, uh, were just phenomenal actually shout out to those guys. So we did a concept art for it. And then we moved to production and created a sample of this, and they just look absolutely fantastic. And uh, so we do have a royalty system set up for the owners where they'll receive 15% of the sales, and they'll also receive a secondary sales royalty of 10% as well. So it comes out to, if, if you were to sell out, and I'll explain the, the numbers in, in the release in a second, but if you were to sell out of the collection of just one mask, it comes out to just about four, under 4,000 USD uh, in profit from primary sales for the hash mask owner. And then, of course, you know, you get that percentage on secondary sales and whatever happens after that, of course. But uh, people are loving it, you know, just for being a collector, enjoying your NFT and, and you know, agreeing to actually license it to us and giving us the, the authority to create VFlex out of it. People are getting paid. They're, they're, getting, they're getting money and earning on their NFTs. So there's there's a ton of utility to be squeezed out from an entity like the Hash Mask. And even like I mentioned before, Avastars has the same thing. And so I'm sure we'll see things down the line with them. But it's really exciting. And it, and it gives people an opportunity to actually collect some of the investment that they've made into the Hash Mask and into the NFT. And, uh, you know, the items that came out on our end, the VFlex, there is uh, less than 100 of them. I believe there's a, a total of 73 split across different rarities and pricing. And uh, we haven't, we've, we've only released two so far. They've been coming out once a week on Fridays, which we are ramping up for those listening. But I don't, the first two sales, I think that the first one sold out in about three minutes or so. And the second one was under a minute that they were in all the carts. So we haven't, we really haven't even had a chance to even tweet that uh, these things got released when we when we put them out because they just got scooped up so fast the second that we put them on the market. It's just incredible, the demand for them. They're a lot of fun. They look great. And it, it's just everyone's happy. New collectors on Terra Virtua are enjoying them. The hash mass owners are really digging them, buying a couple in, and also getting paid on them. So it just creates a really perfect ecosystem where owners are, are, are getting extra utility by getting paid for their ownership of their NFT collectors on Terra Virtual are getting a really cool secondary NFT through these VFlex, uh, again, which also works in, in AR and VR and in the uh, fan cave. So it's just a ton of positivity from all directions and everyone's really enjoying it. That's awesome. I'm sort of curious. I don't know if you publicize any of these things, but you discussed some of the numbers around like what you would generate in revenue. I'm curious, like, how large is this uh, community that's interacting and uh, collecting things in Terra uh, Virtua? Yeah, it, it, it's very, very large. You know, we, we have uh, well into the double-digit thousand users that have signed up to use the platform, thousands of, of daily active users coming into the platform. And uh, you know, we do have uh, somebody that, that does study these metrics, so I don't have the exact numbers in front of my face. But you know, judging by the way sales move, and especially with the hash mass, uh, demand is just exponentially outweighing the supply, especially for the hash mass. 
And uh, again, just like other entities as well, it really depends on what type of supply that we put out and how we're really reading the demand on these things. You know, for instance, another example would be some cheaper items. We might put out a thousand, a quantity of a thousand for some items at very cheap prices. And this is actually not meant to try and sell them as fast as you can under five minutes. It's meant to, we're growing rapidly. New users are coming on. I'm I'm going to go into a bridge into USD onboarding in a second from this. But as new users come on, we wanted people to be able to get involved, have cool items for good pricing, not just join a platform and say, well, to get involved, to get something cool, you need to spend $4,000. That's just not a way to grow, right? So, I mean, we've had items for $8, $12, $20, you know, our lowest tier hash mask, you know, $75 uh, hash mask flag. So, and then, of course, we have, you know, one of ones, uh, $7,500 it goes up to, which, you know, at this point, what, it's just about two ETH. So it's, it's not even crazy for the larger appetite whales to come in and get involved and get something exclusive. But, you know, building on what I just said about, you know, the quantities, supply, demand, and users, we actually also have USD onboarding. So if people wanted to use a debit or a credit card to pay for their items, they can go ahead and do that. And that we've really leveraged in that into bridging a ton of people in from the traditional space that might not understand blockchain, might not understand, you know, Web3, MetaMask, doing an ETH transaction. So uh, we do have that USD onboarding as well for those people just getting started, as well as matching up prices to get them involved, getting them start collecting, get a taste and experience of the blockchain ecosystem, the NFT ecosystem, and of course, the, the features that we have on the platform. So it, it's, um, we're really trying to plan this out for growth. And, you know, at least from my perspective, from a strategy perspective, you know, it's, it's always important to think of people that are going to be onboarding tomorrow or the next week and exploring. And when those people start coming in, in order to retain these people, you want them to get involved. It could be a big turnoff if it's clunky or they don't understand NFTs or blockchain. But I just feel like we solved that with USD onboarding, prices to properly match supply and demand for both now and the near-term future, and as well as the quality of the items. So it's been a good formula so far for us. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're just studying these metrics. Uh, studying the users, we really, really take into consideration community feedback. I always encourage people to tell us, you know, what they like, what they hate, and we can alter, change, fix, or build something. And uh, it's it's been going really well for us, Nick. Well, that's excellent, uh, and that's what you'd want out of a uh, growing business. I'm wondering. So you mentioned the USD onboarding. That sounds uh, great. Is that essentially a custodial wallet at that point, or and like if someone wanted to move it out? or into their own wallet at that point, I guess they would have to pay uh, gas fees or, or like, how would that work? Yeah. So when users sign up for an account with Terra Virtua, they have the option to use their, uh, a wallet address of, of their choosing. If they don't have a wallet address, in particular, new users that might not be experienced, of course, you know, we assign them a custodial wallet and, you know, that, that becomes their address. And, and as we mentioned before in, in the show, with interoperability coming, uh, we also have Matic integration as well coming alongside that, running in parallel to it. So, yeah, so they'll be able to to transfer that back and forth, you know, between wallets as, as they want at that point. That was actually going to be the next question, but I think you an- answered it. So <laughs> I was going to say, are you guys looking at other blockchains or anything else like that? But it sounds like in this case, uh, you're looking at Matic specifically uh, as the way to 
kind of avoid some of those additional fees? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, we, we have a, a good relationship with the Matic guys, Polygon guys now, right? Obviously, they changed and rebranded. Uh, wonderful team, big support of them. They've just been blowing up as well. Of course, as we've seen, as, as, as I was joking on my tweet today, things we might talk about, you know, gas fees were just outrageous, $400, $500. Uh, I mean, talking in USD now for, for those that, that might not be too techy out there. But yeah, it's a good solution. You know, you know, having something that costs pennies to just transfer back and forth in between a side chain is the best option for us. We're going to remain on the Ethereum chain right now and use Polygon slash Matic. And, uh, you know, who knows, Nick? You know, as the ecosystem changes, as things develop, you know, we, potentially, you know, we might have to take a look at other other chains. But right now, it's not on the roadmap. There are no plans or even internal discussions to look at other chains right now or move away from, from the Ethereum chain. We're really just focusing on building out what we have now. And, you know, it's partially my job to just keep my eye on, you know, what's happening in other chains and uh, see if there was any, you know, if there's anything that makes sense that we'd want to explore. You know, we're just going to adjust to market conditions and uh, it moves lightning fast here. And should we need to, to change or, or incorporate something, then we absolutely will, will take that seriously. That sounds excellent. And uh, it's insightful, especially uh, given that I've seen people adopting the uh, Matic network. That seems to be a common trend. So if people mm-hmm. want to f- uh, find you online, what's the best way to do that? The best thing is just go to terravirtua.io. That's T-E-R-R-A-V-I-R-T-U-A.io. Obviously, you know, our marketplace is, is you can click a button right on our homepage there. And if you scroll down, you also see links to all our social media, Discord, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, everything, Instagram, everything is there. I think that's a great landing spot for people to just go explore, go check out uh, and follow our socials, stay in tune with what we're going. And uh, I also encourage people to jump into our Telegram and Discord, you know, have a chat. You know, we have tons of admins. I'm hanging out. My buddy Dan, uh, who is doing a wonderful job in Discord, we just answer questions. You know, people come in, they're curious, they answer questions, or they might have a feature request, or they might have an issue on the platform they'd want to see upgraded. Get involved. That's what I encourage everybody to do. We, We communicate with our users very, very heavily. Awesome. And I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on the show today. Oh, absolutely, Nick. It's my pleasure. I, I've seen you've just had an arsenal of just wonderful guests lately and, and, and very happy to be a part of the show. Awesome. That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at thenifty.com. Thanks again.